Hebrews chapter 11, we'll read verses 1 and 2, and then from verse 24. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The power to say no is our title for this morning. Little Jimmy was very excited at school because the uh, school nativity play was on and he was really hoping for a major part. And, uh, well, he, he went for the role of Joseph. But he wasn't very good at remembering his lines and pretty soon they realised he couldn't handle that one. So they moved him down and uh, he had to go at the shepherds. Well, he still couldn't remember his lines. And uh, they moved him down the line a bit and he took on one of the kings. But he still couldn't remember those lines and they said, look, we've got the right role for you. You're going to be an innkeeper. And all you've got to do is say no. You know? (laughs) And the big night came, his mum and dad were there and his gran and the lights were on. And uh, it came to the time when the knock on the door and he opened the door and he looked out and he was a bit starstruck really. And you know what happened because they said, have you got any room? And Jimmy, well, he forgot his lines. <laughs> he said, sure, come on in. <laughs> yeah, so. Saying no can be very difficult, can't it? And, uh, you know, if we are to be real committed disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to be those who say no. We need to say no to sin. We need to say no to this world we need to say no to ourselves Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says we are to lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us we are to say no to sin Romans 12 verse 2 says do not be conformed to this world we are to say no to this world Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 verse 34 that we would need to be those who deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. We need to say no to ourselves. And you know, in many ways it is so much harder to say no than to say yes, isn't it? As we live our lives. And the Bible gives us examples of those who said no. And also those who said yes when they should have said no. Think about it. Joseph said no, didn't he? To Potiphar's wife when he was offered that immoral relationship. And he said no and he ran away. Moses said no to all the wealth and power and influence of Egypt. But think of those who said yes. Lot said yes to living in a wicked city and it wrecked his family. David said yes to lust and immorality and it cost him his crown and much more. 
Demas said yes to living for this world and lost the joy of living for Christ. And you know, we could bring it right up to date, couldn't we? Um, Well, not quite right up to date, but the beginning of the last century, a hundred years ago, Eric Little said no to running the Olympics on a Sunday. My friend Paul, uh, you wouldn't know him, but he was promoted in his job. He did it for a year and he went back and saw his bosses and he said, you know, he said, he said, I'd like to ask a really big favour. He said, could you demote me back to my old position? Because it's affecting my ability to live for Christ in my church. I've got another friend who said yes to a flirtation at work. And eventually it cost him his family and his home and his service for God. When Rosie and I got married, um, over 20 years ago now, and Lance Pibworth spoke at our wedding. Lance was one of the founders of Beach Missions. And uh, we put him on one of the tables with all the young lads from the Young Life group. There were five young lads around him. And uh, uh, during the meal, Lance said to them, he said, are you keen? And they said, yes, we are. And they were. They were at the open airs. They were really keen. They were reading their Bibles. And Lance said this. He said, in four years, there will only be two of you going on. Do you know what? He was right. Only two out of five going on four years later. And it is because it is so hard to say no to the things we need to say no to. You see, as we live our Christian lives, we do need to be those who say no to sin, don't we? We do need to be those who say no to this world. And we will need to be those who deny ourselves. And just for a moment, think about Moses. Think about the choice he made. On one hand, all the pleasures of sin, all the pleasures of Egypt... All the power and wealth of Egypt at that time. And on the other hand, slavery. Now, that was a real choice, wasn't it? You know? (laughs) You've got everything that this world can offer. And you've got slavery. Now, how could he make that choice? How could he do it? How could he say no to all of that? And yes, to being a slave and... uh, Think about Eric Little, selected to run for Great Britain in the 100 metre sprint at the 1922 Olympics at Paris and predicted to win gold. The fastest man in Great Britain and the world. Think of his qualifying. Think of all uh, the training, getting selected, travelling to Paris. All the expectation in the press. And then he finds out his qualifying heat is on Sunday. Without any hesitation, he says no. How could he do that? How could he make that choice? And then as you think about Moses and Eric Little, think about yourself. Do you say... And do I say no when 
you should. You know what my biggest problem is? Uh, Perhaps you don't. Uh, But I can tell you, it's not the environment. Um, And it's not the government. And it's not Rosie, my wife. Um, Do you know who gets me into the most trouble? Do you know who lets me down the most? Do you know who causes me the most embarrassment? You know, I can think of things and, you know, where I've let myself down so much. You see, my biggest problem is me. And you know, my guess is that your biggest problem is you. And it is so easy to justify things, isn't it? It's so easy to convince ourselves that something is okay when actually it's not, isn't it? Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Do you know what that, the Bible is telling us? It's telling us if we're going to be conned, it's our very hearts that will tell us that something's okay. So how do we live lives like Joseph? How do we live lives like Moses? Like Eric Little? Where we learn to say no to sin, no to this world, and no to ourselves. I want us to look at this passage. And the first thing I want us to consider is this, that uh, by faith, Moses tells us there in verse 24, by faith, Moses. What does it mean, by faith? Well, Hebrews 11 verse 1 gives us a definition of faith, doesn't it? And it says this in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Or as another version puts it, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What are the things that we hope for? Well, hoping is in the future, isn't it? And it says we're we're sure of what we're hoping for. And as Christians, the things that we hope for, well, Christ's return, the next event on God's calendar, is Christ is coming back. And we are sure of that hope, aren't we? We're sure of heaven. One day, we will go and meet the inner pang people. Won't that be great? And uh, we're sure of eternity. And we're sure that we'll have new bodies and new minds. Uh, Someone said the greatest compliment anyone will be able to pay you in heaven is uh, they'll come up and say, well, you haven't changed much. (laughs) Uh, Well, hopefully I'll have changed a lot (laughs) because I need to. Um, And as Christians, what are the things we're certain of that we cannot see? Well, we can't see God, but we're certain of him. And we can't see Christ our Saviour, but we're certain that he died for us. And we can't see the Holy Spirit. And you know, if we are sure about Christ's return, and we're sure about heaven, and we're sure about eternity... And if we're certain that God is real and Christ is our Saviour and the Holy Spirit is indwelling us, 
then we will live lives of faith, won't we? And that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us what faith is. And then the rest of the chapter gives us examples. Do you remember, uh, I don't know whether, did anyone watch Blue Peter when they were young? Does anyone remember Valerie Signalton, John Noakes, Peter Purvis, Jason the Cat? And um, I used to, as a child, I used to love it, you know. And uh, I used to love John Noakes. John Noakes would say, you know, today we're going to build a nuclear power reactor and you're going to need three pipe cleaners and you're going to need a washing up squeezy bottle and... uh, and, and then they'd get all this stuff together and, and they'd do this and, and then they'd say those famous words, wouldn't they? And uh, they'd kind of reach off screen and they'd say, and here's one we made earlier. And in a sense, that's what Hebrews 11 is about. It says, this is what faith is. And here's one we made earlier. Here's Enoch. And here's Abel. And here's Abraham. And here's Noah. And here's Moses. And because Moses had faith, he could live a different life. He could say no. Because he was sure. Because he was certain. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence, but obeying in spite of the consequences. That's what faith is. Well, By faith, Moses. Secondly, when he became of age. Isn't that an interesting phrase? There comes an age where we have to, before God, make our own choices. Moses reached an age where he had to stand before God on his own conscience. Not on his parents, not on his family, not on his upbringing. But he reached that age where he stood before God. When he became of age, he had to make a choice. And you know, those of us that that are here today, we need to be those who make our choices before God. Not Not our church, not our family, not our upbringing. But we stand before the Lord. And Moses reached that point, didn't he? When I was 16, um, I got a job, and it was 15 miles away, and I had to get a little moped. And I got this moped, and um, I took it home, it cost 50 pounds, and uh, my dad said, he said, well, he said, the back tyre looks a bit thin, Jason. He said, you're going to be going through the lanes all through the winter, so I think you better get a new tyre. So Saturday morning, I uh, left Oadby, it's a little town in, in Leicestershire, and I was just going down the hill by the the race course, to go into town on my little moped, I've only had it a day, and uh, to get a new tyre. And this big white car with an orange stripe with two lines down the side just pulled me in. Just a routine check, sir. Um, Never been called, sir, I was 16. (laughs) And uh, came round to the back of my moped and they said, what's this? They looked at this tyre, it was a bit thin. I said, it's okay. I told them what the man in the motorcycle shop had said. I said, it's okay because mopeds are classed as bicycles. They're exempt from the tyre law. (laughs) Well, 
I had to go to court. <laughs> I was a juvenile. And juveniles, you know, if you were 18, you could just sign and pay. Juvenile had to go to court and I'd stand before the judge. The two people before me went out on the arm of a policeman. I thought that was nice. <laughs> and I explained to the judge what the man in the motorcycle shop had said. And he said this. It's always stuck in my mind. He said, ignorance of the law is no excuse. And we can come up with all our theories and all our views, but, you know, we will be answerable to God. And, you know, those of us that are here have reached an age, haven't we? Moses, when he became of age, made his choice. And, you know, we cannot just go on through life without making our choices. And then thirdly, it tells us this, that he refused what was on offer. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses turned down everything this world has to offer. Wealth, power and pleasure would all have been his. Did you notice in verse 25 in the reading, it tells us this, doesn't it? It tells us that um, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Much of this world's sin does have pleasure. It is enjoyable. But notice the Bible tells us the joys and the pleasures are passing. They're temporary. Do you know they're like a drug? They take you in. What satisfied before will no longer satisfy now. And you need more. It's a bit like going on a ride at a theme park. I have to say I'm not um, a theme park rider. I start doing engineering stress calculations on the... <coughs> On the, on the steel bits. And um, I can't make the numbers work out. Um, the little children's, you know, sort of roller coaster is scary enough for me. But people who ride them, you ride the little one. Oh, and, you know, you're about six or seven. It's pretty scary. And you ride it again and again, and it's no longer so scary, is it? So you need a bigger one. And you need a bigger one, and a bigger one. And eventually... I hear about these ones that sort of drop vertically down, you know, and um, I, I couldn't do it. But the world is like that. What thrills yesterday will no longer thrill today. You have to go deeper, you have to go more. And the world's pleasures, they start off with what we think is pretty innocuous, but pretty soon it's pretty sick. Pornography is like that. People start off with something and they think, well, that's not too... And pretty soon, you wonder how people can be looking at images that we hear about in the news. And, and it's because it is no longer thrilled. And drugs and drink and, and these things, they will take us down because they are passing pleasures of sin. They will not satisfy. And consider this. Moses refused... But it was no easy thing for him to refuse, was it? He refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. 
And she had practically saved his life, hadn't she? She took him into the palace when he was under a death threat. She gave him her name. He became her son. And he enjoyed the protection. He would have felt obligated and indebted, wouldn't he, to Pharaoh's daughter. And you know, there will be many situations for us and we may feel obligated. We may feel indebted, but we will still need to say no. We might be invited to parties and events and farewell do's and we may well feel indebted. But it's still the situation where we have to make a choice. And we need to make that choice by faith. Perhaps even some family occasions, if they take us to a place and actions and company that we shouldn't be going with, perhaps we will need to say no. And maybe even getting up and walking out of situations. Romans 12 verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. The street I was brought up on, sort of almost opposite our house, my friend lived in, Stephen Ridgeway. They were a bit better off than us. And do you remember those Play-Doh machines? Do you remember the Play-Doh machines? And do you remember you, you had the big handle? Yeah, we've got one up there. Stephen Ridgeway across the road, he had one. We didn't have one, you know, because they were pretty expensive in those days. And what you did was you got your big lump of Play-Doh and you picked your shape and you put it in the front and you put your Play-Doh in and you pulled the handle down and you squoze it all out. And if you put the cross shape, it all came out cross. If you put the star shape, it all came out star shaped. Do you remember those? Anyone had one? Oh, well done. <laughs> Stephen Ridgeway, I'd be proud of you. Do you know, that is what the world is trying to do to us. It's trying to take us and squeeze us into its shape. Do not be conformed. The world is trying to conform us to its thinking, its shape, its actions. And Moses said no. And we need to say no, don't we? Maybe there's some areas where you've been saying yes. And actually you need to say no. You know, the great tragedy is that Christians, you and me, allow ourselves to be entertained by the things that took Jesus to the cross. Isn't that a tragedy? Do you think the devil is laughing his socks off when we watch things? And we read things. And it's just entertainment for us. But Jesus went to the cross for those things. And we reach a point where we even wink at sin. We, we kind of say, well, I know it's not right, but it's, it's not too bad. I talked to somebody, a Christian friend who was a Christian leader. And a particular film had come out. And in that film, there was a, a shot of nudity. I hadn't seen the film. And um, uh, there was immorality in it. 
and there's blasphemy. And I talked with this Christian leader whose young people from his church had been to there and he'd taken them. And I said, you know, how can you do that? And he said, well, it, it, it's such a good film. It's just spoiled by a few things. We allow ourselves to be entertained by the things that took Jesus to the cross. What a tragedy. We need to be those who say no, don't we? We minimise it and we lose our view of sin. Are we winking at sin? Are we tolerating it? And sometimes we try not to think too hard about it. This last week I was I had to go into America for my uh, work and I was travelling with some other people that weren't Christians and uh, they said, oh, we'll just go out for lunch. And uh, all of a sudden I realised we're turning into a restaurant called TGI Fridays. And I just said, could I just confirm? I said, I, I believe that name stands for a blasphemous phrase. And he said, well, yes, it does. I said, well, could we go somewhere else? They take a blasphemous phrase and use it to promote their business. It is hard to refuse. I found it really hard to say, can we stop the car? Can we go somewhere else? But are we willing to choose and say no? Moses refused what was on offer. And then fourthly, he chose the hard way. It tells us, doesn't it, that Moses chose rather to suffer Affliction, verse 25, with the people of God. He chose to suffer, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He basically said this, he looked at all the, at all the riches of Egypt and he said, even if I suffer for Christ, that is more than that. I wonder how much we want to know a life of blessing. How much would we be willing to go through for a life of blessing? Sometimes we say, oh, wouldn't it be great if I had a life that was so fruitful for the Lord Jesus Christ? When you read the story of Corrie ten Boom, Corrie ten Boom and her sister and her dad took in Jews. They weren't Jewish themselves in Holland and eventually they were caught and they were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp. But it was in that terrible place where night after night hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. As Betsy and her sister Corrie shared the words of life with people that were facing eternity. Would we be willing to say, oh Lord, if you wanted me to be fruitful, I'd be willing to choose the hard way. I'd be willing to take it for you. Moses chose the hard way because he viewed even to suffer for Christ was better than the things this world has to offer. And we can get so caught up chasing these things, can't we? Joshua, at the end of his life, he called all the people together. And uh, he called them together and he said this, You need to choose this day whom you will serve. And when you think about it, the people he'd just called together were people who'd spent the last few years 
campaigning for God. And I think they could have easily said, look, who do you think you're talking to, Joshua? You're talking to us and and we've just been battling for the last few years. We're for the Lord. But Joshua said this, you need to choose today whom you will serve. What you did last week and last year and, you know, in the past, in a sense, is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. We've served the Lord on beach missions and that is great. But today, we need to choose whom we will serve. Are we for God? Are we going to get up today and say, Lord, I'm making the choices for you? I'm going to say no to sin and no to this world and no to, to self and deny myself because I'm choosing you. This was a deliberate choice for Moses. It didn't just happen. And you know, we need to make a deliberate choice. And Joshua said this, he said, but as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Well, fifthly, he focused on eternity. It says this, doesn't he, right at the end of verse 26, for he looked to the reward. Moses was living for eternity. How could he do that? I sometimes go to a gym. I know what you're thinking, but the sauna's very nice. (laughs) And in the gym, you know, I look at these people and they're on all these machines. My brother-in-law, Tim, bought us a rowing machine for Christmas a few years ago. I tell you what, if you don't like anybody, buy them a rowing machine. (laughs) It is the most miserable experience you could have. The only thing you can sit when you're on, do when you're on a rowing machine is think about the agony you're going through. You know, it is miserable. I go down to the gym and I see people pounding away on these machines and I don't see anyone smiling. <laughs> no one is happy. Why are they doing it? They're doing it because they're dreaming that they're going to have this wonderful body and look amazing and it's worth it. <laughs> I just can't get there. Right? <laughs> My dad is 85. He's worn out two rowing machines. He cycles 300 to 400 miles a week. And he's 85. This year, um, he's had a bit of a grunch in his knee. It's not one minute of his 25-mile race time. He's down at 107 instead of 106. He's pestering the doctor because, you know, can you imagine these doctors dealing with all these really sick people? And this 85-year-old keeps coming in and saying, you know, I'm going a minute slower on my 25 mile time. You know, can you do something about it? And he's fanatical about it. Rebecca Adlington, who won two gold medals at the Olympics, she was interviewed when she came back to the UK and she said this. She said, in two weeks, I will be back at the pool at 5am every morning training for the 2012 Olympics. That is not pleasant, is it? How can she do it? Because she's aiming high. And you know, if we want to be those who will live by faith and say no, we need to aim high. We need to focus on eternity. He had faith. He was sure. He was certain. Let me read you a quote from a book, Worlds Apart, by William MacDonald. And he says this. It's on worldliness. 
When we speak of the world in this sense, we do not mean planet Earth, which God has given us as a temporary dwelling place. Nor do we mean the world of nature, which God has given us to enjoy. And we certainly don't mean the world of mankind, which God expects us to love as he does. What do we mean? The world is the civilization which man has built up in order to fulfill his desires without God. It is not only independent of God, but opposed to him. The world system is founded on wrong principles and promotes wrong values. It is largely self-centered. Wealth, power and sex are central in its culture. And listen to this. Worldliness is the love of passing things. It is anything that pulls a believer away from the Lord. A worldly person is one whose plans all end at the grave. Worldliness is life without heavenly calling, life without ideals, life without spiritual heights. A worldly person is one whose plans all end at the grave. Isn't that interesting? What are your plans? What are your dreams? Where does your mind go? By the way, do you have daydreams? Does anyone have daydreams? Do you ever talk about them? Oh, by the way, who's the hero in your daydreams? Interesting. Moses was living for eternity. Can I ask you, what are you living for? What are you living for? By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused what was on offer. He chose the hard way because he was focused on eternity. So what should we do? Number one, very quickly, we should seek cleansing from past sin. We need to ask the Lord for forgiveness for our sin. Be serious with sin. Confess it and turn from it. What are the areas in your life that you need to deal with? Tells us, doesn't it? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We need to say no. Secondly, we need to choose to wholly follow the Lord. It's a positive choice we need to make. It just won't happen. We need to say, Lord, I want to follow you. We only have today to live for him. We don't have yesterday, it's gone. And the Bible says we don't have tomorrow, that's the Lord's. We choose today to live for him. Choose today whom you will serve. And then thirdly, we need to focus on eternity. Beyond the grave. You know, if our plans and our dreams and our aspirations do not go beyond the grave, we will always struggle to say no. We always will. But if our focus is beyond the grave, then we will, like Joseph, like Moses, like Eric Little, like my friend Paul, be able, by faith, to say no. I want to just close by reading a hymn. It's in the old Wild hymn book. I find it very challenging. God has his best things for the few who dare to stand the test. God has his second choice for those who will not have his best. It is not always open ill that risks the promised rest. The better often is the foe that keeps us 
from God's best. Some seek the highest choice, but when by trials pressed, they shrink, they yield, they shun the cross, and so they lose God's best. Give me, O Lord, thy highest choice. Let others take the rest. Their good things have no child for me. I want thy very best. I want in this short life of mine as much as can be pressed of service true to God and man. Help me to be my best. We're going to sing a hymn to close with. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine.